I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Uppy Dietitians podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This episode is for all of our menstruating listeners. So if you menstruate, welcome. We're <laughs> Hello, happy to have menstruators. Hello, fellow <laughs> menstruators. It's actually kind of part one of two of apparently we're doing a menstrual cycle series. It wasn't really <laughs> planned, but we're going to talk about today, uh, cycle syncing, which is a really popular thing on social media right now. And then we'll go more into PMS and how to incorporate the intuitive eating principles with all of that next week. But for today, we're going into what's called cycle syncing, which if you haven't really heard of that to kind of sum it up before we get into the nitty gritty, it's basically just structuring your diet and exercise habits along with like your work and lifestyle too, in some cases around the four different phases of your cycle. So today we're going to go over, um, kind of a refresher on what those phases are, some of the claimed benefits of cycle syncing, how the experts claim to do it in terms of like nutrition and exercise. We're going to touch on seed cycling a little bit, which is like another part of this, and then kind of give our final thoughts on if we recommend being a cycle sinker or not. Yes. So let's get into it. Let's kind of define where this started and where this came from. So Alyssa Biddy, I apologize if I mispronounce their name, is a self-proclaimed women's health expert and author, and they are the ones who first co- coined the term single psyching in her single, single psyching? <laughs> I knew that was going to happen to one of us, single psyching. <laughs> <laughs> It, it just came out so well. It sounded <laughs> good. Like, that's not right. Sick, psych, cycle, sink. <laughs> it's like a, it's like word twister. That's not also not the word. Definitely not it. Tongue twisters. <laughs> Yikes. Well, she wrote a book called Woman Code. And this is where she brings up cycle sinking. And according to Alyssa, when one lives a plant-based or quote-unquote plant-based lifestyle, they work and flow in alignment with their hormones. And overall, this is just like a term or like practice to help women sync their goals and behaviors with their menstrual cycles. So it's kind of like all-encompassing with our cycles, hence the cycle syncing. Single cycling. Single cycling. Um. And a spoiler alert right off the bat, you're probably like, oh, this is an individual who has a book and they sell things. They probably sell something else if this is a common trend. And (laughs) surprise, surprise, Alyssa sells cycle syncing supplements. And we're not to go, we're not going to go too in depth into these, but we potentially could do a future episode on them if you guys would like. So let us know comment on the episode post on our website, DM us, whatever it is. Let us know if you want to hear. Maybe there's someone else who's 
advertising some type of supplement. Oh, I guarantee there's tons of like cycle syncing supplement people out there. Yeah. When I saw that she had like her supplement line, I was the opposite of surprised. I was like, oh, that just makes sense at this point. (laughs) I'd be surprised she didn't have supplements. Yeah. Like, yes. It's nice (sighs) when you can, it's predictable. That's true. <laughs> you're like, ah, yes. <laughs> uh, hopefully you guys are getting good at that too at this point. If you're a 88 episode deep listener, I'm sure you guys can kind of catch this BS too at this point. Let's talk about the menstrual cycle. Oh, thrilling. <laughs> I'm sure. Actually, you know what? I'm taking that back. I'm not sure. I was going to say we learned this in health class. I don't know how much we really learned about. We learned about that we bleed. Menstrual cycles. Okay. So this is going to be a little bit more advanced than our fifth grade health class. (laughs) So as nutrition goes, and also it can be carried over to our cycle, every cycle is slightly different. Not everyone's the same. There isn't a perfect number of days. The average days and like healthy cycle typically lasts for 23 to 35 days and that includes all four cycles so let's scroll through the different phases number one the most popular and i don't popular popular (laughs) popular as in most well-known phase (gasps) is the menstrual phase typically for three to seven days this is (laughs) we're most familiar with this And this is when we bleed. Energy levels tend to be lower. We experience a lot of those. Well, sometimes people experience PMS symptoms with their menstrual cycle or the menstrual phase. I can't speak today. (laughs) So we're going to power power through this. Um, But that's the most common. That's not common as in most familiar. We're most familiar with this phase. Yeah, I don't know if common's the best word, but- because I think if, hopefully if you have a cycle, you have all these phases, but yes, that's the one that I think we all think of when you hear of like your period, you think of this phase, but yes. there's three others. So the next one is the follicular phase. That one lasts about like seven to 10 days ish. This is right after we have our actual like bleeding part of our period. So energy levels start to go back up. We feel more creative, motivated, excited, things feel good. (laughs) You're not bleeding anymore out of an orifice. Like it's just, it's all good all around from this point on. We're feeling good. This is our getting excited. Like, yes, (laughs) phase. The next phase we'll discuss is the ovulatory phase. This is for typically three to four days. And this we commonly hear about is like, people are like, oh, I'm ovulating or I'm in ovulation. And if people are fertile and trying to get pregnant under like they don't have any type of hormonal disorders going on this would be kind of the time that people are most gonna say susceptible to pregnancy (laughs) that's how we view it as like a disease (laughs) but even if you're not trying to get pregnant you are most susceptible to pregnancy during this time so Overall, people tend to feel a little bit more social and confident, and there might be more of that desire to be with like other people during this phase. Yeah. They say it's like when you have like your best hair days and your skin looks the best and you just like want to be chatty, which I think that's relative. I mean, someone like me probably is 
not as chatty during this phase as someone else who is naturally very chatty at all phases. But anyway, yeah, this is the confident social phase. And then lastly, before we get our period again, we have the luteal phase, which is about 10 to 14 days in length. And this is when our energy levels start to go back down as like hormone levels fall. We feel more tired, more withdrawn. This is when we kind of get those like PMS symptoms, like before we enter, enter the menstrual phase when it's like actually like the cramps and headaches and things like that, that go along with like the actual bleeding part. And to bring us back to the topic of today, everything that cycle syncing does is supposed to be aligned with these four phases. You're probably like, well, why would I want to do that? There are a couple claimed benefits of cycle syncing. So we'll just run quickly through these. First one being more regular periods. And this means this can mean a couple of different things for different because regular is a very, looks different to everyone. It could be like, consistency of when you get it around the time of the month. Like if you get it always on, if you start bleeding or you enter your menstrual phase on the 10th of every month, or maybe like the, I keep thinking of like, not the right words. I was going to say severe, I guess maybe severity of your PMS symptoms that could be uh, a little bit more or tamed, but that's kind of one of the biggest claims to cycle syncing. Another one is a more gentle PMS. So actually going back to those symptoms, maybe like if you get really bad cramps beforehand or really intense cravings or something like that, just kind of lowering the intensity there. Another claim of cycle syncing is a better connection or more connection with your body and its needs in general. Um, you may experience experience less mood swings, experience more effective workouts, and then fertility spoke report and knowing the best time to conceive or not to conceive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are what the experts say, which we have experts in quotes, because I'm not really sure who uh, the best person to like get education on this topic would be. I mean, it's hormones. So I think like some kind of like actual medical provider, but at the same time, like women's health, like that I don't know. I don't know who the best expert would be on this subject, to be honest. I I always think like either like OBGYN or like yeah. endocrinologist, but maybe like because of like it's your menstruation cycle, maybe OBGYN is a little bit more yeah. pertinent then. So I don't really know what this Alyssa person is. They just are a proclaimed women's health expert and author, but um, anyway, the whole point of this too, is to kind of like make it your own. It really sounds like, so as we'll go into next, actually of like how to actually cycle sync, it really is just seeing how your body responds to different exercise and nutrition, uh, changes and choices, depending on like your energy levels and your mood and all of that. So I don't even know how much an expert would be able to help in this beyond just understanding like what nutrients are the most beneficial, which maybe could be a good time for a dietitian if someone does specialize in that. I, I don't know. This is very open-ended, which can be a good thing, I guess, but yeah. it can be a little bit confusing too for some people. Yeah. But the first step um, of like how to cycle sync, <laughs> cycle syncing 101, the first step is to track your cycle. So kind of figure out like if you can, when you are entering and exiting each phase, because you'll use that information to decide what habit changes, modifications to do in each phase. 
So once you have a good understanding of what timeline each phase looks like for you, this is where you can start to modify your nutrition exercise. They even say like your lifestyle habits, like when you're the most social, like your work, they say to like, be the most productive on like this, these days and like make decisions on these days, um, maybe kind of lay low on these days. It's, it's very interesting really, but, um, we'll go over some cons in a little bit too. Um, Emily, if you didn't see already, I attached this picture. I found that goes through each of the food groups and like with each phase, what foods are recommended. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yes. So I'm looking for some type of pattern and there isn't really one. It seems very, there's all kinds of things like this. Like I know Pinterest is notorious for this, where it's like, eat just these foods for weight loss as if like only one category of like nuts leads to weight loss or something like that. Um, or like just eat these foods for heart disease, like literally whatever it is, you could find a image like this that specifies like which foods you should and shouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you guys know, it's not that simple. or straightforward yeah yeah I yeah I think it's just a random so it basically says like to sum up like the grain phase for example or the grain category it says the menstrual phase to eat buckwheat or wild rice during your follicular phase to eat barley or oats during the ovulatory phase eat some quinoa and during the luteal phase brown rice or millet but like what if you're in your ovulatory phase and you really want some wild rice (laughs) Like, are you just not allowed to because you're cycle syncing and that would just make you feel crappy? Yeah. Or like, what if, I know that like oftentimes people with uteruses sync up to people they're like around (laughs) a lot. What if you're not synced up with someone else in your household? Yeah. Like, sorry, I'm making, let me build a meal. This is so fun. Oh, okay. (laughs) So sorry. We're having like pork chops with wild rice and kale tonight but oh you must be menstruating (laughs) i'm menstruating (laughs) uh but hannah is uh in her follicular phase so she is gonna make chicken with barley and zucchini Mm. but we like want to eat dinner together and that's not to say we can't make separate meals but like what if we were like it's gonna be a big grocery bill. I'm creating like a family now like we're a family and, <laughs> and our children <laughs> and now we have to make different meals because of our phases and like yeah what if like yeah. the children are on us and our places? three daughters who are all of age to be menstruating this is gonna be chaos <laughs> yeah and then what if you don't even like either of those foods or what if you're right. allergic and like, like the heavy. only grains in like the follicular phase are barley and oat. Like those are the most not, boring grains in the world. <laughs> not a lot of options. What if I want some like sourdough bread for goodness sakes? Oh my gosh, yeah, that's not I idea. never get that apparently according to this, which I'm surprised because the wellness girlies love sourdough. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're trying to stand out with this one. Yeah, this is just one of many adaptations anyway, but- yeah, yeah, that's kind of a spoiler as one of our cons of all this, but like, while there could be some benefit to like eating certain nutrients to support certain hormone levels and all of that, it can become 
obsessive for some people where if like you don't get enough vitamin E, then the world's going to come crumbling and turn to dust. Yeah. And you'll yeah. be okay. The exactly. world will not. And it's up. like likely an estimation. Anyway, most of us can't really know for sure exactly what phase we're in based on like the day of the month. We can yeah. estimate, but it's really best at best. Yeah. Oh, yes. One of the other big parts of this. So there's the food component. And then there's the exercise component, which I feel like I've heard more about the exercise component than the food component, which is actually really interesting to me. And I feel like it holds some ground. I'm going to say this before we even go into this, but not in the way that people are going to think. Yeah. So let's go, let's review the phases again. This is actually a learning exercise where (laughs) you're going to learn all four phases and They'll be very educated on this. Now you can tell other people about the phases if they need to know. <laughs> tell your non-menstruating friends about the phases. Yeah, educate them. So starting off with good old menstrual phase, if from an exercise standpoint, there's in a recommendation that if you feel fatigued and low energy, but still want to move, you should try incorporating yoga, walking, or light stretching. So some of more of those like low intensity exercises. If you're in the follicular phase and energy levels are rising as estrogen levels increase, this might be a good time to inc- or to incorporate like cardio or Zumba or other more of those higher intensity exercises. In our ovulatory phase, they recommend... This is when we feel our best to do so. So to do more of those like higher intensity exercises like HIIT or heavy weight lifting, which like sometimes people are only in this for like three to five days. So do you only get to do those for three to five times a month? Exactly. That's the con <laughs> is like, if I want to do Zumba during my luteal phase, I'm going to do Zumba during my luteal phase. It just, yeah. Yeah. And then that's the last one is the luteal phase. If you're more anxious or tired and hormone levels fall, yoga, Pilates, or meditation could be beneficial. So the reason I feel like this, I said this holds some ground is based off of like gauging your energy levels and kind of what can my body take right now? Like if you are bleeding and feeling exhausted, please do not go a high, do a high intensity, like hit workout followed by a heavy weight training session. Your I would simply pass away if I did that during my period. (laughs) No one will be happy (laughs) during that. Um, but also like Hannah said, it can feel very restrictive. And I know that they included like May and might so that they're giving you that leeway. Um, but I feel like there's a general good idea here but you don't need to stick to the phases. So we can just focus on like listening to our body or like, what are we feeling today? Type situation. Yeah, exactly. I think the other con can be how accessible all these forms of movement are. Like if you can really only access a place to go for walks or like, that's all you feel good doing is walking. That's okay. Like if you can't, get into the YMCA to do a Zumba class one day, a hit class the next, a yoga class the next, go to Pilates studio. That's okay. <laughs> like for me, yes. like my two forms of movement are I like to lift weights. And I like to go for walks within. 
I'm not really into Zumba, Pilates, yoga. Not that I like dislike them, but I just don't do them or have a place to do them in like a class form specific, specifically. It just feels like it's not the most accessible if they are recommending doing all these different forms of movement that not everyone can do. Yes. And it's expensive. Yeah. Pilates, I think especially is like high dollar. Oh yeah. And yes. yoga. Yes. <clears throat> so that's kind of the main nutrition and like exercise component. Something else we mentioned before is seed cycling. This is almost like a little baby version of the nutrition. And it's actually only broken down into the two phases. So like it seizes it like days one through 14 and days 15 through 28. If you bleed, if you bleed, I hope you don't bleed for 28 days. Oh my God. Um, see, a, see a medical professional if you are. <laughs> um, but if you, essentially, if you're a menstrual cycle lasts longer than that you just divide it in two that's kind of how the seed cycling would work and essentially the idea around it is you would add like one to two tablespoons of ground flax or pumpkin seeds to like whatever you wanted the form does not matter on like a salad or a smoothie or whatever it is and this is apparently meant to enhance estrogen production and then the second half you add one to two tablespoons of sunflower sesame seeds to whatever it is. And this is help supposed to enhance progesterone production. There's not a lot of research. I have a lot of questions. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's been debunked, but yeah. Seed cycling still decently popular. It really is. This is just like wellness girly, like one-on-one, like this whole episode. Yeah. This is like, like the girls, girls yeah. gut health gr- there's like the gut health girls. And then there's like the hormone girls. Exactly. This is in the hormone girls. The ones who have like their little greens powders and their matching outfit, their matching set, their Lulu set. And they post, I actually just saw a post like this and I was like, oh no. Or they toast post to like before and afters of like I balanced my hormones oh my gosh and it's always so it's always focused on weight loss every time oh yeah it's always about weight loss so they do the body checks for their sugar day of eating here's my abs then here's what I eat yes every time so yeah evidence is weak with with that one not great um overall no, which leads us to our next piece, which it, which is our potential issues with single cycling. Single cycling. <laughs> um, we really went over the first one already, which is just the whole fact that it could lead to being obsessive around all of this. You know, if I'm in my follicular phase, I can't eat this food because it's only meant for the luteal phase. None of that. That's kind of silly. But the other issue could be for those who don't have regular cycles or like by that, we mean like consistency of when you're in the different phases, or if you take hormonal contraceptives, this could also suppress ovulation. And so that takes away that whole piece of the puzzle right there. So you can't sync up to that when you don't have an ovulatory phase. So for those of you who maybe, maybe you haven't tracked, you just don't know when they would be. Um, but if you maybe have tried tracking and you're like, I have no darn clue, like when I'm in, in which phase, or maybe your phases aren't consistent, um, this may not be a good fit for you. And that's okay. 
Yeah. Like there are some components you could incorporate if you like the idea of it, but you don't need to hold yourself to those strict rules to follow it. So let's share some takeaways because we don't want to just critique, although Hannah and I are good at that. Yeah. We want to give you guys something that you can actually, or things we'd recommend, some general advice. So how exactly can intuitive eating and your menstrual cycle go together? And there's a couple different ways. One of the first things that we've actually been talking about through this entire episode, but we'll just kind of say it point blank is intuitive eating is all about like listening to your body and not expecting to eat and exercise the same every single day. And that's okay. So if you menstruate and have female hormones, your hormone like ebb and flows, like ebb and flow is in a cyclical fashion. And that goes along with like your energy levels, cravings, um, what other maybe common symptoms you experience with your menstrual cycle. And you can kind of gauge how you're feeling that day. Like we talked about with the exercise, kind of gauging how are my energy levels today? What do I think I can handle? Are we bleeding? Should I probably not go do like a 90 minute high intensity workout? Just kind of thinking about that and stay in tune with your body. Like intuitive eating is getting back in tune with your body, which I feel like a lot of the cycle syncing kind of emphasizes a lot of. Um, but you don't need to follow a strict regimen with intuitive eating. As yeah. Much. The point I want to make with this one too is if you do have like biological female hormones, they, as we've described, occur in a cyclical fashion. And so uh, like how you feel one day of the month will be different than how you feel a different day of the month. And so uh, that's why like certain diets, aside from like all of this, don't work for a lot of biological women because they expect you to like follow the same meal plan or exercise regimen or whatever, like every single day of the month. But like we've described, our energy levels are always changing. Our moods are always changing just because of like the cycle we go through. So it may feel difficult to maintain just like consistent habits every single day of the month when we just aren't built like that. A very good point. You can kind of focus on both. They don't, it's not intuitive eating, like does just disregard your menstrual cycle. There are ways to implement it. Something you can practice though, is if you want to incorporate some of that gentle nutrition is building like well-balanced plates to help with blood sugar control. This helps with hormonal control. And this doesn't have to just be when you're on your, in your menstrual phase, this can be any time from like a hormonal balancing standpoint. And it's not going to be advertised. It's like, oh guys, we're really into hormone balancing now. Like insulin is a hormone. Listen, if your hormones are like out of whack, don't go to some gut health girly online that is a self-proclaimed hormone expert. Like if your hormones are unbalanced, whatever that means, like go see an endocrinologist. Yes. (laughs) A hormone expert girly is not going to, this is not going to fix that problem. No, no. Your estrogen levels are off. Your testosterone levels are off. Whatever it is, seek professional medical help, please. Right. Like nutrition can definitely be helpful. Like 
eating the right amounts of like protein versus carbs and certain nutrients during different phases can like support hormone health and regulation. But if they're like medically out of whack, that's not going to fix the problem. Food is not medicine. No. And then some other components that we've emphasized in the past that will just help in general with kind of like feeling okay while you're menstruating in off are like emphasizing sleep, making sure we're sleeping enough. If we're not sleeping enough, everything else gets affected. If you are not managing your stress well, which I feel like the large majority of us are not managing our stress well, those cortisol levels, another hormone will spike a little bit more. And this can look kind of a couple of different ways. I know, I know there is cortisol managing nutrition experts. Oh, yes. The number one way to manage as someone who has been in that space, the number one way to manage cortisol is to eat regularly. (laughs) It almost always come down, comes down to just eating enough and eating consistently. Yes. It's not some specific food. It's not to avoid this food. It's eating enough and throughout the day or as much as you're able to eat throughout the day. Yeah. Additionally, hydration is important from all aspects. Hydration, I feel like gets either like way too emphasized or like not emphasized enough. (laughs) So make sure you're drinking water don't overhydrate. It's hard to do, but can be done. And then lastly, just incorporating some joyful movement. You don't always have to have energy for like those hit workouts or those Pilates classes. And that's okay. The like form of the movement and the intensity that you do can change depending on how you're feeling. And that's completely okay. You don't have to like run for 30 days in a row. You don't have to do three Pilates classes for eight weeks straight, it can change and that's okay. You're accommodating your body's needs. You can also rest too. Like yes, (laughs) when I'm bleeding, like the first few days, I'm not doing a damn thing. I'm not doing any kind of workout. Maybe take Finn for a walk, but that's like very low intensity for us. Yeah. 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 So bottom line today the cycle syncing thing, it may have some benefits, especially when it comes to intuitive eating, like tuning into your cues, like we said a million times, responding to your energy levels, all things that we talk about a lot when it comes to just intuitive eating. Um, it doesn't recommend like pushing through a workout when you have low energy. So those are all good things, but anything that has a name, anything like this, like cycle syncing, intermittent fasting, which also has a lot of hormone benefit claims. It, it may have guidelines that feel a little tough to follow. And that could lead to that subsequent guilt. If you can't do it quote unquote correctly based on whatever the guidelines say. So in theory, it could be helpful, but make sure if you do do this to kind of take it gently and tailor it to your specific body, not what some holistic girly says to do. And if you want to hear us talk more about this and our <laughs> menstrual cycle next week, we're going to be talking about PMS and intuitive eating. So it'll be our continuation of our little menstrual series. And if you are someone who does not menstruate, 
you should listen to these anyway to support your loved ones who do have to worry about these stupid things. <laughs> yes. Some empathy is always good. Yes. <laughs> very much needed. So let's do the bonus question. I'm very excited for this one. And, and I want you to go first. I know you're probably not going to want to go first for this one, but I don't know my answer. So you're going to go first. Um, and the question is, what is your favorite PMS snack? I mean, we know I don't have one. <laughs> I know. I'm the one who usually picks these questions and I need to start picking ones that I like know I can answer. Um, yeah. I think just generally, especially this time of the month too, I love like sweet and salty. So I'm thinking like, actually my favorite thing might be like a chocolate covered potato chip. Ooh. Have you ever had those? Yes. They're so good. Yes. Or like, I'll do like popcorn, like a ton of butter and like chocolate chips or like chocolate squares and like that to go with it. Yeah. Or I love a chocolate covered strawberry too, which I plan to make some this week. Actually, I got some strawberries. Lots of chocolate in your snacks. Which I know is cliche, but I really, I like chocolate anytime. So it's not just because of the whole like chocolate on your period thing. Yeah. Sometimes I forget that's like a stereotype. Yeah. Chocolate's always good. Yeah. I have chocolate like literally right here next to me. I'm going to eat when we stop recording this podcast episode and I am not PMSing. <laughs> Actually, I yes, I am. Oh, well, I just counter, di- counter, <laughs> what, what's the word? Single psyching. <laughs> single, single psyching. <laughs> um, uh, I just went against my word, but I have these almost every day. So yes, that's the word. I was going to say counterindicated. I'm like, that's not. That's what I was trying to say, but that wasn't right. Okay. What is your favorite PMS snack? I actually have a very similar answer to you Mm. because I know it's coming when I crave two things. I start craving like cheddar-y or like really salty chips, like Mm. the Ruffles cheddars or like sour cream and onion. I like, I love those anytime. They're so good. Something happens and I'm like, those are so good right now. And then I start craving chocolate Mm. because I normally choose fruity desserts and candy over chocolate like any day. But the moment I start craving chocolate, also very Mm. apparently meeting the stereotype. Yeah. um, I just know I'm like, ah, yeah. Also, I'm not satisfied with cravings. That's like my number one giveaway is I just like start eating everything. And oh, I don't same. feel like, and I also don't feel full too. Like I get the hunger is constant and the yeah. cravings are. There. We will cover that next week actually, but that's yes. to be expected. Yeah. But like, I think I'm entering my chip era. I like, I cannot eat enough so potato good. chips lately. They're so good. They're so good. Especially like the, the cheddar, like ruffles. Oh, I got these sweet onion kettle cooked ones from Meyer a couple weeks ago. So good. That sounds really good. So they're like kind of sweet and like oniony, obviously. <laughs> um, oh, well, it's gonna be a good bonus question, but we'll ask it now. Anyway, do you like like the kettle like what's your favorite style of potato chip like the kettle the ruffles the regular like lays it's a good question I feel like my favorite despite everything I hate with my fingers getting dirty Mm. 
is the ones that are more coated in the oh, cheddar yeah. thing. Like so, like I love Doritos. I love Doritos so oh. much. I could eat so many Doritos. I love Doritos. And then I think the cheddar ruffles and like sour cream and onion might be up there. Like those might be my top three because yeah. we can do like a nice psychological dive is <laughs> <laughs> I would always eat those three with like my childhood, like best friends. Mm. Like since we were probably like five. Granted, I don't know how much how much we were getting our hands on as like little kids. Now I'm thinking about <laughs> it. Like as we grew up, we were able to like reach cabinets and you know, yeah, not be monitored as much. But those three, I don't think I could choose a favorite. I think maybe like, Doritos actually. Doritos are so good. I think just like the general like ruffle texture is just so yeah. good. Yeah. So good. And now I'm like, I feel like there's one I'm missing. I feel like barbecue is a very common favorite. Very controversial. Like Ross is not a fan. I think it's good, but I wouldn't eat a whole bag of it. I don't think I would either. I really like them, but if it was like sitting in a box, like those party boxes with like Doritos and Ruffles, I would choose those first. But what, is, what was even the question? Your favorite chip? What is I feel like, like the texture, this. like oh, kettle, okay. ruffle, like regular yeah. lays kind of texture, which I think I would say ruffles. Yeah. It's mm. just so satisfying. The mouth yeah. feel. Yeah. The amount of topping distribution. And you can like, get so much. Yeah. You can get like so much flavor in the crevices. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Mm. And it's like sturdy. It's not, I feel like sometimes like, the lays are like really thin. Those are my last choice. Yeah. Last choice. You know, Again, I will eat them, but yes, not the best. All right. Well, we'll figure out a new question for next week related to all of this. So we'll think on it or we could do a, would you rather maybe. Ooh. If you have any yeah. ideas, let us know. But otherwise. Maybe we'll both be menstruating next time. Um, I probably will be. My, my speaking of irregular periods, mine is not okay. So I don't know. It'll be a surprise. I'll let you guys know. I don't know. I just feel weird letting everyone know. I feel like they can like somehow steal my identity if they know like when I'm menstruating. <laughs> I make it everyone's business. <laughs> not like embarrassed to talk about it. I just don't know if I want the internet to know because they're going to like, I don't know. Like that's like something they could like take from me somehow. I mean, if they want my egg, <laughs> I know I wish I could just like have like one really terrible period get rid of all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that what menopause is? I think so. <laughs> We're working towards it. We'll get there one day. We're like 30 years away. I you know. know how many periods that is. That's a lot. Maybe I'll just get the whole thing taken out. <laughs> But then I, I hear a lot of cons to that too. Same. We are not medical professionals. Do not refer to this podcast for what you should do about your reproductive health. No, because we are just speculating. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My phone. Oh, never mind. My, like, I thought it was going to be a period reminder. I have, I use like the, the Apple health app thing. Mm -hmm. And it always like says your period's going to start in like X days. And I thought it was just telling me that, but it's telling me to go to bed. Oh, (laughs) Dang. It is bedtime. <laughs> All right. Well, tune in next time for PMS and intuitive eating and to find out if we are menstruating.
<laughs> maybe, or maybe be my little secret. <laughs> you can tell maybe, what I move, probably. I'll let you know. Hannah will remain a secret. You'll just have to stick around because maybe one day she'll tell you. <laughs> Ooh, intrigue. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for part two. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the Upbeat Dietitians with your host, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.